Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Rising is One podcast sponsored by the Arizona Soccer Complex. The Arizona Soccer Complex has leagues for people of all ages. Whether you've got a young kid looking to get out there or you're in your 60s and still trying to kick it, the Arizona Soccer Complex has a league for you. They have great indoor soccer, arena soccer facilities. They even have an outdoor arena field if you're trying to get onto that. And if you let them know that the Rising is One podcast sent you, your annual membership only costs $35 instead of 50 so we can save you 30%. Go to the Arizona Sports Complex, located in North Phoenix, just north of the 101, and tell them that the Rising is One pod sent you. So how are you guys doing today? Uh, I'm doing awesome, Dominic. I mean, I had my birthday yesterday, and uh, as we all know, we had a nice victory, so... Everything's great. Yep, definitely a nice, uh, nice Easter uh, period here with a, uh, you know, spending time with the family yesterday, and you know, got to see bits and pieces of the match yesterday, and uh, you know, hey, like I said when I uh, tweeted it out after I'd seen it at the end, you know, a steal of two points, you know, on the road, you know, we'll we'll take the three gladly, but uh, you know, uh, you know, like Patrice had said last week in his interview. <laughs> We'll be, lucky, we'll be happy to take a draw. Well, it looks like they were happy to take a draw until right at the end. Yeah, it was a it was a tough match to watch for large stretches of it, um, especially especially coming down from the uh, LA Galaxy LAFC match, which was just ridiculously entertaining and exciting. If if you have not seen the highlights from that match, you need to do it. Zlatan scored a ridiculous Zlatan goal, even by his own standards. Um, just insane stuff, you know. Um, so, not to get sidetracked there, but LAFC was up 3-0, and the Galaxy scored 4 in the last 30 minutes. You might want to check that out. But going back to this one, it was a little bit more of a downer. Um, but you know what? We get three points. So, 
three points is, you know, all we need. We can get that on the road as best we can. And, hey, we'll take it. Move on to next week. Yeah, exactly. Do you guys want to uh, have me go through this one a little bit since I did see all 90? Yeah, we'll let you go through it since you saw it a little bit better than we did this week. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, then. Um, So had had the privilege to be at the Tempe Marketplace uh, watch party and had a lot of big screens there. Sounds like these watch parties are a great idea. Uh, Check out in future weeks if they're doing that again. But in this match, uh, things got started, and right away, they had an excellent chance in the second minute. Um, Kind of coming on a counterattack, second minute, uh, Antoine Hoppenot races down the right wing, gets a ball in, lays it for Jerry Van Ivick, former OC player. And I thought this was going to be a goal because the ball gets in there. He's not marked. Um... But Carl makes a really strong save there to keep it nil-nil. Um, then things kind of slowed down a little bit. I mean, those first 10, 15 minutes, Reno was really buzzing. But no no big-time shots. There was a shout for a penalty kick. I don't remember what time, but it was early on in the match. Gladson Iwako kicked the ball. It looked like it might have hit off a guy's hand, but we really didn't get a replay on it. So it's, it's really impossible to tell whether... Uh, whether it was actually a penalty or not. I haven't gone back and checked the YouTube footage to see, but uh, there were definitely some appeals there. And then Reno came back uh, down the field and had a pretty dangerous opportunity. Um, 18th minute, Brian Brown gets a shot that misses to the left. Um, and, And really not too much going on, not a lot of big attempts. Cortez had a glancing header in the 22nd minute. Um, Solomon Asante put in a good cross, but easy save there. Um, Jerry, Jerry Van Ivick again with a shot in the 26th minute, but just not a lot here. And Phoenix started to get into this match in the last 15, 20 minutes. Um, it looked a lot like matches early last season where people had some good ideas, but there just wasn't the link up play that we needed. There'd be a couple good passes, and one player would be making a run, and the other person would play a ball to where he was standing two seconds earlier. There were a lot of like passes where the guys just weren't quite on the same page, or you know, or the opposite would happen. The guy would play a ball long, expecting someone to make a run, and the guy's just not making a run. So uh, a little bit frustrating there. A lot of a lot of teases, and then. Uh, Reno had a had a couple half chances towards halftime, but it it really petered out. Uh, the most exciting part of the last part of the half was Reno's coach throwing a water bottle into the grass. I don't know what that was about. He was angry about something, and it was nil nil at halftime. Um, what were your guys' thoughts on that first forty five? Uh, I'll I'll go first. Um... I kind of agree with you. I think it reminded me a lot of last year to where we'd see one or two guys making good runs, but the passing wasn't there, you know, or the finishing wasn't there, um, as you said. So I I kind of, as you said, we all kind of saw that Patrice was playing for a draw, and I think that that, was, that had a good influence on how we played that first half. I don't think that he wanted to give up too many 
chances on the counter, but I also think that we have room for improvement in those kinds of situations. Um, but, I mean, overall, I think it was a solid first half. Reno had some good chances, so to come out nil-nil, it's not nothing to uh, complain about. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you get worried right away with that, you know, that early shot from Van I, you know, from from Van Iwick right at the beginning with Carl making a strong save. You know, good to see that that they shored it up in the middle to later portions of the first half. I mean, obviously, you're starting to get a little worried. You know, if, if Reno's starting to rattle off early at that point, you know. Again, you know, the things that were mentioned earlier, you know, a smaller field helps Reno. And, you know, they've definitely got players in the right spots that know how to play these positions on a short field. So, you know, kudos to the defense for for standing up in that first half and and making the plays that they really needed to make in order to to keep it at 0-0 at that point. Yeah, the the first half, especially because we were going – into the side where they were covering up the baseball diamond and it was it was really choppy you'd even see a pass like hit off the lip bounce up in the air and it's like really we're playing on this <laughs> i mean just a rolling pass and it just hits that lip and totally slows down so uh that was definitely something that we were looking forward to to see would things get better in the second half when we weren't playing that way um but things things did pick up a little bit towards the beginning of the second half. Um, the big change was that Gladson Awako came off and was replaced by Billy Forbes, who I was a little surprised he didn't just start this match off. What were you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I was a little surprised too. But you know, I'm still wondering if he's not you know fully you know maybe he's not fully recovered from his his international duty with Turks and Caicos i could be wrong but you know and then you know then again when you think about it at the same time is patrice running out the same starting 11 which he did for this game just because they're coming off the heels of a 4-1 win i mean maybe he just felt compelled to keep the same lineup because it it didn't let down last week you know, I, I kind of wished he'd have, he'd have started Forbes all along just because of the simple fact that I think we needed his speed down the wing, and it just it wasn't evident in that first half. And I'm glad they brought him in for Gladson Awako. Yeah, Jeff, I think I think it was. He just kind of wanted to keep the same group together from the week before, you know. Why, why fix something that's not broken? Um, so I think I think that was probably his mindset. But as you said, I mean, to get that change at halftime, that that's great to see. And we immediately saw Billy Forbes come on and have a great influence. So I think in the future we will see him start. I'll be looking to see him start this next match against real Monarchs. So Right. So we moved into the second half, and uh, things did open up a little bit. Um, there were two back-to-back chances First, Brian Brown uh, raced down the right wing for Reno, and he put a very dangerous ball. I wasn't sure if he was going for goal or if he was trying to uh, set up. I want to say it was hopping out on the left wing. I'm not sure which which option he was trying to do. It kind of went just in between uh, the player and the post. But, I mean, he actually had space to put that in just inside the left post, and he really didn't miss by much. That was a pretty nervy moment right there. Uh, and then moments later, 
Solomon Asante uh, gets the ball into the box, and you know we we get a pretty dangerous opportunity, um, and then Cortez shoots it, and that didn't miss by much either. There were a couple back-to-back chances where dangerous balls were played into the box, and we just couldn't quite couldn't quite get a finish on it. I think Billy Forbes put a ball into the box that just needed someone at the back post shortly after that, and so. Uh, pretty pretty fun moments, at least. This is a part of the game where Phoenix was really starting to get into it and starting to control possession. Um, you know, one of the craziest chances, uh, there was a, I think Jason Johnson put a ball in and it got deflected in the 60th minute. And then Solomon Asante, this time he was on the back post. I thought for sure he was going to score. But then uh, Kyle Ein. Uh, Reno's keeper, who was making his USL debut, did a very good job getting over there and and getting strong hands on that ball to knock it out for a corner. Uh, to that point, that was probably the best opportunity for either side, uh, and it was denied to keep it nil-nil. Because um, Asante was able to get in to like three yards from the, from the keeper's line, uh, but he did well to get over. So... And then after that, things started getting slow again. Uh, 67th minute, Evan Waldrop came on for Colin Fernandez. Uh, Fernandez, he made some passes, but I think a lot of guys just struggle with the altitude. Uh, Reno, you don't think of it as like a high-altitude kind of place, like maybe you would think of a Salt Lake City or Colorado Springs. Reno is at 4,500 feet, and I think some of the guys did struggle with that a little bit. Um, so you had you had Fernandez coming off, Waldrop coming on, and he did very well uh, in those last 23 minutes. Won a couple free kicks. A uh, couple yellow cards come out. Asante picks one up in the 68th minute uh, for handball. I don't think that was a yellow card worthy offense. I mean, they were they showed the replay. I think one of the announcers even said that shouldn't be a yellow card. Moments later, Reno picks up a yellow card. And then 73rd minute, Duigi Mala gets a yellow card, as is tradition. Uh, so we're, we're moving into the yeah. end of the match. And all of a sudden, Reno looks sure to score a goal in the 76th minute. Um, Eric Calvillo plays a cheeky little pass, and it kind of catches everyone on the right side, pressing the ball. And so uh, Mohamed Thiaw gets onto this and he's you know from like less than 10 yards out one-on-one with Carl and I'm thinking for sure this is going to be a goal but our man Carl comes up big makes the save gets interfered with so we get a free kick and it stays nil-nil that's the moment of the match right there because I think I thought for sure that that's where they score and then they they win one nil and Imagine how much more frustrated we'd be had that happened. Um, but Carl comes up big, and after that, it was it was really the teams trying to get things going, but there still just wasn't a lot of connection um, for either side. Two pretty disjointed attacks. We'll get into the the stats a little later. Very similar passing stats, uh, defensive stats, shots on target, all those things. Very similar. And so it looks like we're destined for a tie. Um, 
a couple of glancing headers that almost went in around the 80th minute. First, it was uh, Kavon Lambert getting one on a really good cross from Solomon Asante and just missing. And then somehow we get even closer. Amadou Dia gets a header on, on a cross again by Solomon Asante. And that ball must have missed by two or three inches, but it just misses to the right. And it, at this point, looking like we're, it's just not meant to be our day. It's going to finish nil-nil. And then in stoppage time, we finally get a good buildup. Um, I forget who was on the left wing at that point, but whoever that uh, was did it. Billy Forbes, I believe. Right, okay. So Forbes did a good job getting past a couple defenders, plays the ball in for Solomon Asante. And Asante, this is smart. This is a veteran play here. He could have tried to shoot it, and the shot probably would have been blocked. And instead, he fakes the shot. The defender commits, and at this point, makes a pretty foolish challenge. His foot's out there. His studs are up. And Asante just plays the ball to the side, moves forward, gets knocked down. It's an obvious penalty. And uh, Jane Kiffey concedes a penalty. And in the second minute of stoppage time, Solomon Asante, who was probably our best player of the match, he gets up there, takes the penalty, just absolutely textbook penalty, uh, drills it into the side netting, so there's no chance, even if the keeper guesses correctly. Just perfect, and that's it. Basically, the last kick of the game, and we win 1-0. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a, it was a great play by Solomon Asante, and, you know, for once, I'm glad that the person who gets taken down for the penalty finally has the opportunity to finish it. Because I really thought at that point, I thought Billy Forbes was going to come up and take it. You know, but I was glad to see Solomon finish off what he started, get the goal in the net, get the one nothing lead right there at the end of stoppage time. You know, great effort by him. You know, great effort in the second half by the guys. You know, there were there were quite a few times, you know, in that in that second half where they had plays in the box and you kept, you kept thinking one of these is going to sneak through eventually. One of them is going to sneak through you, but they just could not find a way through. I mean, you even talked about Amadou Dia getting a header on goal. You know, Jason Johnson had one right close to the end of, uh, right. And, and close to the end of the 90 minutes, uh, right off a corner kick, you know, which, which could have had a chance, but you know, Hat, hats off to the boys. You know, hats off to Carl for making a great save in the 76 minute there. I mean, he doesn't make that save. You know, like you said, it, we're probably staring one nothing uh, Reno in the face, and we're we're you know instead of you know climbing out of there with a point, you know, we're 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 not leaving with anything. But you know, well, and and let's let's not forget the second minute either. The whole complexion of the game changes if he doesn't make that save in the second minute, where an unmarked guy gets to drill it from less than like 15 yards out and he stands tall and makes that safe. You know, if yeah. either of those get in the yeah. whole game turns on its head. I to- I totally agree with you. And, you know, you, you couldn't ask for a better effort from Carl and, you know, he, he gets on himself, you know, for, for giving up that late goal last week, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to lose the, the clean sheet, but to come back this week and get the clean sheet against Vegas, you know, that's going to make him really happy. That's going to make that back four happy. That's going to make him, you know, push even better, you know, for next week's game against Real Monarchs. Yeah, yeah, you're you're dead on there, Jeff. I mean, he's he's 
definitely come into his form. I think we've seen that by these huge saves that he's been making. And, uh, he, I mean, he kept us in that game early on, and without those saves, like you guys said, I think we could have been looking at a one nothing uh, loss. So to get that penalty at the end, I mean, I, I feel like we earned that. I think, as we were talking about, we had a lot of chances there in the second half in the box, and it just we just couldn't get that final product. So... Um, to get that penalty, that was, I mean, that was something that I didn't see coming, but uh, we'll take it. You know, those three points are valuable. So valuable. And, uh, you know, the USL soccer website does a good job of showing some stats from each match. Um, so some things to see, I mean, some good stats, if you're looking at it from a defensive perspective, Um we got a 62.5% tackle success rate. Not ideal, but um, on, on duels success rate, 57.5% for us. 65.8% aerial duels. So we're, we're much better in the air. Teams the last two weeks have not been able to uh, really create chances off of set pieces and off of crosses. That was a big point of emphasis in the preseason, and it looks like Carterone and the staff have done a great job fixing that. Um, distribution, there's there's a lot to be uh, desired. There's a lot of room for improvement. Uh, 74.1 passing accuracy. You know, an average number there is around 80%, so uh, really a lot to be desired. Uh, 59% in the opposing half. And that goes back to a lot of miscommunications where people just weren't quite thinking the same. Um and, you know, Reno's numbers weren't much better. They were they were at 76.5 and 60.6. And that's why it was a tough game to watch in stretches. Uh, the teams completed almost the same number of passes, 341 to 316, 57 to 56 long passes, and possession 50.6 to 49.4. We actually outpossessed Reno in the second half. Um, interceptions, pretty similar. So, I mean, the, the stats tell the story of a game that was – you know, two very evenly matched teams. Um, and it looked like it was destined to be a tie until we got that one moment at the end. Uh, Reno only had two shots on target, but the two shots that were on target were grade A scoring chances. And uh, in both those moments, Carl came up very big. So, yeah, I mean, it's just interesting to look at some of those numbers. Um, that's... Both our road matches where our passing has been pretty wanting, and hopefully that's something we can work on and improve. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, three weeks into the season now, and and at times we're we're still not seeing the accurate passing that we need to see. I mean, yeah, you you see the good touches from time to time, but but. You know, if we're not making those connections, you know, where we're just missing off the ball a second or two or a step or two, you know, those are things that have got to get cleaned up right away. And, you, you know, you want to create more scoring chances. Well, the way to create more scoring chances is to have that accuracy level up there. Get those balls out on the wings that are splayed out there and get on top of them. And yesterday it just seems like every time we were splaying a ball out there, most of the time we're not connecting with it and that's that's one of the biggest struggles you know if you're going to stay in these matches you got to have that ability to do that 
Yeah, Jeff. I mean, it, it's it's kind of frustrating to watch, but I'm sure it's as frustrating for the players themselves. Um, it's something that we definitely need to improve upon, and I mean, I wonder if if maybe we see Billy Forbes start to get the get the start out there on the wing, and we see Gladson Awako or Colin Fernandez come out. Um, it'll be interesting to see as we go forward how we address this accuracy issue. So the player that I noticed had the highest pack passing accuracy with Solomon Asante and that was 82.4%. So that's definitely something we could improve upon. But I mean, kudos to him. I mean, that that shows oh, yeah. really clearly why he was our best player. He was like one of the few guys who was always making the right plays and setting people up with great opportunities. I mean, two of those passes that we're talking about were crosses that found the head of Kavon Lambert and uh, and Dia towards the end that could have easily been goals. So exactly, um, John. Like that's what I was gonna say is that that's I mean for me he was my man of the match just because he had he had three shots, two on target, and as you said his passing according to USL the website he had four key passes. So definitely. So I think that'll do it for this week's match. Um, We'll, we'll get into uh, some matches around the league now and then go into standings. One thing before we do that, though, um, we're pretty excited. It sounds like our show is going to get an interview with Evan Waldrop uh, pretty soon. I happen to know his agent because his agent was actually uh, one of my professors last year. Totally just ran into her the other day. Um, I had no idea that she represented Waldrop. Uh, because she does represent some soccer players, a lot of a lot of women's soccer players actually. And I found out she says, "Oh, I uh, I am representing Evan Waldrop now." Or actually, she said, uh, "Just a local guy that's playing for Phoenix Rising." I'm like, "Well, there aren't too many of those. It's got to be Evan Waldrop." And she's, "Yep." Uh, she knew it right away. So uh, we should be getting that interview in the next couple of weeks. So really looking forward to that. Um, it's, he's got a really cool story, uh, from what she has said. And I think, I think we should get it out there, uh, in a little bit more detail than the team is able to do in a press release or something. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I remember talking, I remember talking to Evan, uh, one of the last games of the, of the preseason and just to hear, you know, how thrilled he was to make the jump right straight from college into into the usl game i mean you know he was and and for it to happen to be for his hometown i mean that that makes it even so much sweeter you know it's just the fact that that he's such a great guy that he's one of those you know (laughs) you only have a few guys that can roll through here and actually say hey i played in arizona i started my career here and you know now to have a chance to play for my home team you know, you you don't get many of those guys. That, you know, uh, uh, you go back to you know back a couple of years when you know when it was Arizona United and you had guys, you know, you had a couple of guys roll through, you know, and and you know last year with uh, uh, our backup keeper, I can't remember which one it was now, but you know, you continue to have guys rolling through here as, as local products, and it's a great thing to see nowadays. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Um, good for the game and good for uh, 
you know, local families and kids to see that, you know, someone in their shoes can make it. So, uh, well, with, with that being said, we'll give you more information when we get that interview and when it's going to be aired. But let's get to some of the other matchups around the league in USL. Well, I'll hop on one right off the bat that, that caught my eye, and that was uh, Sacramento Republic coming back from a 2-0 deficit to uh, sneak out a point uh, at Rio Grande Valley, a 2-2 game. Um, the uh, the home side obviously getting getting on the board first uh, with, a, with a penalty kick goal from Wharton, and then uh, uh, <coughs> Jorginho James gets it to a 2-0 lead for Rio Grande Valley. Uh, but, you know, Sacramento comes back. Alamon misses a penalty in the 76th minute, but they get a goal in the 80th from Cameron Awasa, which is his second of the season. And then to get an own goal off of uh, off of Connor Donovan, you know, defender for Rio Grande in the 92nd minute, uh, dying minutes of the match to, you know, for Sacramento to pull back 2-2. I mean, that's a, you know, granted, you, you would think that, that should have been an easier result for Sacramento Republic, but I guess you know to pull out a point on the road against them, against uh, you know a, a tough squad in Rio Grande. I mean, you look at the numbers in their match. I mean, you know, fifty-seven, you know, fifty-seven, forty-three percentage as far as uh, possession goes. Um, obviously, Sacramento winning a lot of aerial duels. You know, two out of every three. You know, they're winning that. Eighty-three and a half percent passing accuracy. Uh, 75% in the opponent's half. I mean, that's just, you know, strong, solid numbers from Sacramento Republic. And we, you know, you're going to get a good, uh, <laughs> you're going to get a good effort when Sacramento, when you're playing against Sacramento. Yeah. I mean, that, that point uh, could end up helping Sacramento a lot down the line and it does keep their unbeaten start intact. Um, you know, I, I just want to talk about two teams this week that really impressed me. And uh, those two teams are the only teams that had two wins in USL this week, and that's Orange County and Fresno. And uh, both these teams got their first wins of the week on the road. Um, okay, uh, OC got a win in Oklahoma City, and it was an early goal that put them out to that lead. Uh, they really had chances to score even more than the one, but then in the second half, they just held on got a big win there, uh, especially coming off a, a loss to Sacramento on Saturday. And then Fresno getting their first win in franchise history. They get a 1-0 away over the Sounders 2 club. Um, really good to see for them. I mean, it's just it's exciting for them to get off to a, to a strong start. Um, and the first win's always pretty special. And then these teams come back home and keep the good – things going i mean these these are two clubs that entered uh week three of usl action with a tie and a loss so are you expecting too much not necessarily uh so to see both these clubs come out with two wins in the span of four days pretty impressive orange county put a five spot on tulsa they win this match five nil and some of the stats from this are just nuts um thomas Envoldson got a hat trick for Orange County. He scored in the 15th, 29th, and the 77th minute. Um, Chaplow got a header, so they were up 2-0 early on. And then 
Tulsa picks up a red card in the 26th. They pick up another red card in the 72nd minute. And then Orange County just keeps it rolling. Another goal for en- Envilton. And then Michael Seaton, who played very well against us, he got on the score sheet in the 81st minute as a sub. So 5-0. That's insane. I, you don't see many teams get out of Oklahoma with two positive results, much less six points from two matches in four days over there. Because that's that's always a bang-bang trip. Uh, I know Tulsa and OKC haven't looked good so far, but those, that's still incredible. And... Uh, Oh yeah, that's that's a huge result over there for them, you know, to pick up those two wins. I mean, like you said, that's a tough stretch to go through because you're always nine times out of ten playing a Wednesday, Saturday, or a Wednesday, Sunday, or you know, some sort of combination of that against those two clubs, to, you know, to make it an easy road trip for you guys. But you know, the interesting thing that that caught my eye is, you know, seven cards shown to Tulsa, and obviously two of them red. I mean, makes you really wonder if if Tulsa's playing, you know, an aggressive style or if it's just if, if this was one of those games where it's just, you know, the refereeing got so out of hand that the referee was so card happy, you know, that he's just flashing cards left and right. Um, I'm sure, you know, what <coughs> with Einvoldson, you know, and Chaplo getting them three nothing early, I'm sure that probably had a lot to do with it as well. You know, but, you know, seven cards, awful lot for, for one club to, to endure for one game. And two straight reds. I mean, to me, that, that seems like it's just frustrating, uh, frustration hitting a boiling point, and you got to keep your guys in control. I mean, it's one thing to lose and lose bad, and it, of course that stinks. But you don't take that anger out on the opposing players and risk injuries. It's just... It's awful to see, and uh, you know, hopefully Tulsa can at least lose with more dignity in the future. Um, great result for Orange County, though, and you're going to need to hear some of these stats. Orange County completed 613 passes in this match. That is a Man City or a Spain number. 87.3% passing accuracy. Just to give a little bit more context, when we were talking about Phoenix Rising being in the in the 70s, 81.8% accuracy in the opposing half. That is, and 55.6% crossing accuracy. I, if you're in the 30s there, that's not bad. That means you're creating chances. Um, they And it was a well-rounded effort. 92.9% tackle success rate for Orange County. 14 tackles to Tulsa's six. And, uh, you know, some of that can be attributed to the red cards, but you are not going to see many more lopsided matches where one team is just manhandling the other team in all facets of the match. Uh, and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we were talking about Fresno before. Uh, they also get a win on Saturday night, two early goals cancel each other out for Fresno and OKC. But then uh, Fresno sticks with it, and they get a late goal in their match to win 2-1. to one. It looks like uh, Argueta had a winner in the last 20 minutes there. So Fresno gets two wins in four days, and uh, pretty exciting for both clubs. 
one more uh, one more interesting uh, result that caught my eye, and I don't I don't know about you guys as well, but how about Vegas getting a two one win at home against Swole Park Rangers? I mean, this was this was a surprising one to me. I mean, especially as good as Swole Park Rangers has been, you know they they opened up early and got the lead. Uh, Sarah Villa had a goal in the, in the 18th minute to get it going, but uh, you know Vegas hung in there and stayed with it. You know Car- Carlos Alvarez comes back and ties it in the 50 53rd minute with a goal, and then uh, uh, an own goal by Colton Storm, you know for Swope uh, gives Las Vegas the 2-1 lead and they hang on. Uh, two wins and a draw out of their first three matches. I don't think a lot of us expected to see that, especially when we saw the early roster that they had, had released. You didn't see a lot of big, huge names, a lot of big, huge signings for them. You know, but hey, they're they're sticking with the big boys, which is actually quite surprising to me to start the season. Yeah, Jeff, I, I, can, I can say I did not see this. I mean, when we saw their their lineup to start the season, I think we were all we were all kind of unsure of how this team would fit together. But I mean, as we've seen, they've been able to to get it together. And I mean, yeah, they they may have gotten a little lucky to get a uh, own goal. But I mean, to hang on against Swope Park like that at the very end, we know that Swope can generate a lot of chances, especially in the last twenty minutes of a match. So to hold on for a victory, you know, kudos to them. Yeah, that's it's a uh, cool to see, and it keeps their unbeaten start to the season intact. Uh, they might be this year's Reno. Yeah, I mean, they've a uh, you know expansion franchise from Nevada that stunts some people and uh, gets off to a hotter start than anyone could have predicted. I mean, what's really interesting, Reno took a month to really swing into gear. They were pretty bad the first month. Vegas has looked impressive from the very get-go, and they're they're scoring in every match. Uh, their defense has been respectable. I mean, they aren't they aren't doing it with too much possession, but it looks like they can counterattack well, and they're they're hitting their set pieces. So, uh, a lot for Cash the Soccer Rocker to be happy about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you were talking about that. I mean, sixty-two thirty-eight. Uh, Swope Park had the uh, possession advantage, but like, you know, like we've said a number of times, you know, even with Phoenix Rising numbers, you know, it's not necessarily what you can do with, you know, whether you have a lot of the possession, it's what you can do when you do have the possession. And obviously Las Vegas is taking advantage of what they do with that 38%, you know, possession. So, you know, kudos to them for, for sticking with it. And, you know, a, a 2-0-1 start is a good start for them. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at their schedule coming up. Uh, we're going to find a lot out about Vegas FC pretty soon because they have the off week next week. Then they, they have a home match against Sac Republic on the 14th. They have another off week, home match against San Antonio, away to Real Monarchs the following Wednesday. So well, Three of the tougher teams in the West, and you can't ask for anything harder than that. Like you said, I think yeah, maybe we yeah. will see we will see what this team is really made of. Yeah, For okay. sure, those teams, those teams they're coming up against aren't going to uh, aren't going to give them many opportunities. So they're going to have to capitalize on the few chances they'll get. Well, 
Jeff, do you want to take us through the standings? Are there any yep. other scores we should list off or just go to standings? Yeah, let's let's get into the standings uh, at this point. Five teams at the top at seven points apiece. Orange County leads the way on goal differential at plus five, seven points. Phoenix rising in second with a plus four goal differential. Las Vegas in third with a plus two. Uh, Sacramento in fourth with a plus two. And Fresno in fifth with a plus one. All of those teams on seven points. Uh, then you get the Real Monarchs in sixth at six points. Uh, Swope Park Rangers in seventh with six points. Their uh, Real Monarchs has the goal differential at plus three versus Swope at plus two. And sitting in the eighth spot currently at the moment, St. Louis FC uh, with four points, uh, one, one, and one. Uh, San Antonio also at one, one, and one, but they're on they're below the line. Uh, <coughs> at four points. Then you get to 10th place Colorado Springs at three points. Portland Timbers 2 and 11th at three points. Seattle Sounders 2 and 12th at three points. Oklahoma City Energy in 13th at three points. Then you get to Rio Grande Valley in 14th at two points. You get Las Vegas F- Las, I'm sorry, LA Galaxy 2 and 15th at two points. Reno in 16th with one point off the three games. And then rounding out the Western Conference standings at zero points, three losses, uh, Tulsa Roughnecks with a minus seven goal differential. That's going to be really interesting early in the season to have to make up uh, that kind of a goal differential early. Yeah, interesting interesting, uh, teams at the top and bottom of these standings. I mean, Tulsa, Reno, OKC all in the bottom five, and they all made playoffs last year. San Antonio on the outside looking in right now. Uh, Very early, but interesting. Yes, very interesting, to say the least. We should get into, uh, let's preview next week's match. Um, Obviously, it's a big one. Home match against Real Monarchs. Uh, We all know that they are the defending Western Conference champions from last season. Uh, and of course, it, you know it all starts with Real Monarchs with their captain uh, Chandler Hoffman up top. And you know, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what you can say about you know Chandler that hasn't already been said in the years that he's played in USL. But he, you know, he's definitely a leader for this Monarchs club. You know, and you've got players that returned last year like uh, Sebastian Velasquez and uh, uh, Matt. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not Matt Beasler, uh, Nick Beasler. You know. Um, Definitely adding some some different pieces, you know, from their academy, you know. And like we've said in the past, Real Monarchs is one of those clubs that has kind of figured out how to use the the, the USL system uh, the best so far as far as, you know, teams among the, you know, the MLS2 clubs that are out there. Uh, you know, I think the only one, the only other one that maybe comes close might be Swope Park Rangers right now. But I mean, to, but to have a mix of solid USL veterans and and players from their academy that they can bring up, and you know, players who are kind of on the edge of that first first uh, team roster, but aren't quite getting that time. You know, it's the perfect kind of setup that they have that that makes this work best for them. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we- seen them be successful uh, last season and I mean I'm just looking at the the match preview and 
this year they have six different goal scorers already this season. So I think they're a dangerous team kind of all around. Um, they have a good blend of not only MLS talent, but also proven USL talent. So I think this is going to be our toughest test so far this season. Yeah, they, they have a lot of guys they can turn to. And I think that's just such a luxury that a lot of those two teams don't have. Uh, a lot of those two teams have to send guys up for uh, MLS or, you know, injuries at that level. And you don't have a lot of depth. Um, you know, in my opinion, they have two or probably like three or four guys that could be a starting goalie for a, for USL clubs at any given time. Connor Sparrow is established, but uh, David Ochoa has seen time before. Alex Horwath. Um, I mean, a lot of respected names in that list. And the same can be said for all sorts of positions. Um, so going going to your point, Jeff, they do create a great mix. One thing that I think could work out in our favor, though, so they did win both their matches, but they allowed multiple goals in both those wins. First week, they beat Reno 4-3, I believe. Yeah, 4-3, but... Um, or no, they beat they beat Tulsa three two I think. Is that right? Yeah, I was I was confused with Swope. First they beat Tulsa three two and they had to score two goals right at the end to win that one, and then this week they beat Timbers four two. So that they have lapses at the back. They play a very open style. They like to pass it a lot, but they're vulnerable in the back, and I think we could score on a couple set pieces. We came close this week. The big thing is this will by far be our defense's toughest test. And the defense is going to have to play its game of the season. I mean, you trust Carl back there, but uh, it's it's going to be a strong attack that, that Monarchs is bringing. Uh, not that I advocate gambling in any way, but I have a feeling that this could go over the uh, goals over under, especially if it's like a 2.5 or 3. I could definitely see four or five goals in this match. Yeah, no, I agree with you in the fact that you're saying that, you know, this could be the biggest defensive game that we play all year. This could be the game where we really see if Duigi Mala and Mike DeFont are really the center backs that we expect them to be. I mean, I don't, you know, I haven't seen any problems out of Amadou Dia and Devontae DeBose so far this year. Really haven't seen any, any real lapses in play from them. But it's been the center backs that we've really been worried about. And I think this is a key game to see where they are as far as their momentum coming off of a clean sheet. Can they keep it going forward? Or is this going to be one of those games where we really start to find out where our struggles are going to be? Yeah, and I actually liked Mala's performance against Reno. I thought he made some big plays, blocked a couple of shots, uh, dealt with Brett Brown for the most part. Uh, and I think DeFont took strides, but there's still been moments where the opposition has been able to get juicy opportunities. And Monarchs are not the team that you can give those opportunities and not expect them to take advantage. I mean, we benefited from you know suboptimal finishing when we played Orange County and, and uh, Reno, last week but i have the feeling if monarchs are going to get four or five quality goal scoring chances 
they're going to put two or three of those in the net. So we have to really limit those chances. It's going to be a fun game, though. I cannot see this be low scoring at all. Totally. Yeah, I, I, I just like you guys, I think that we could see, you know, maybe four or five goals in this match. I think it's going to be a high scoring affair. But to keep ourselves on the right side of the score, I think our defense is definitely going to have to lock it down. But I mean, maybe we'll see finally that Mike DeFont and uh, Duigi Mala are the center back pairing that we've been hoping for. And I mean, this is a team that come playoff time, we could totally see. So, I mean, I think right now to see them early in the season and see how we stack up, it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, I mean, these are, these are, in my opinion, the two best teams in the Western Conference right now. Um, you have us with a plus-four goal differential from three matches. Uh, only non-win was against Orange County, who's making a good push for top four. And then, uh, you know, what can you say about Monarchs undefeated? Two wins. So, um, to give a score prediction, I think 2-2 two, two if Drogba doesn't play... 3-2 if he does. We'll pull it out. I, I, I like those numbers, that's for sure. I mean, I, I tend to agree with you on that one. Yeah, I think I think you hit, hit it right on the on the nail right there. I think that that's, you know, if we have that Drogba influence, the Drogba factor, I think uh, we could see a late free kick or something, you know, and see some of that magic. So I think 2-2, two, 3-2 two, two if Drogba plays. Yeah, and just last thoughts on this match. Unless you have an absolute family emergency, do not miss this match. This is going to be, at least on paper, one of the most exciting home matches of the season. And I'm not sure if we play Monarchs at home again this year. So if this is our only... We don't, actually. I know for a yeah, fact no, we, don't. we don't. So this is your only chance to see... A really good team, but also a really a team that plays a fun style. They're very open. They're very attacking. So just you need to go and get to the field for this match and tell your friends about it. Bring family. Make sure that this is a sellout because this is a weekend where Phoenix Rising is going to need all that support. This is a big match. Um, before we get into supporters section questions, did you guys want to talk about Drogba for a few minutes? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really starting to worry and wonder because, you know, he left to go do his international charity work right before the season started. He's come back now and, and hasn't been quote unquote feeling well is feeling sick you're really starting to wonder if some, if either A, something happened to him while he was out of the country, or if B, this is just kind of his way of, of sort of starting to distance himself from the club as far as his playing goes, you know, versus being more of the quote-unquote owner slash promoter of this club. You know, you, you start to wonder where it's at at this point. I mean... I know he's 39. I know he just turned 40 years old, you know, and and obviously, you know, bodies are different when you start to get to that age. But, you know, 
when you saw in the preseason, you saw all of his tweets and his Instagram posts and how he was all getting fit and ready for the season. And, and now all of a sudden you just, you haven't seen him in the lineup yet. It really makes you start to wonder, you know, what is his role really going to be as far as on this club this season? Yeah, Jeff, I think, I think it might be that he is kind of distancing himself. One, one thing that's popped into my mind is maybe, maybe he's not going to be traveling this season. Maybe we only see him at home matches, you know, and he, he just plays those uh, matches that we have here at Phoenix rising soccer complex, or maybe he truly is sick and, you know, is just taking time and, they didn't want to have him uh, start the season on the road, and we're going to have him debut at home. Um, I I hope that it's the latter, and that he's just, you know is just one of the right time and the the right match to uh, to start the season off. So hopefully we see him here next week. But uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of worrying that we haven't heard much other than he's just sick. Yeah, no no doubt about that. Um... I think it's going to be very telling whether Drogba actually plays this week um, because this would be the kind of matchup that he gets paid to play in. I mean, big team coming to town, huge matchup for, you know, standings implications and potentially postseason implications. Um, You know, you don't want to disappoint the home fans. It already happened once with the season opener where he couldn't suit up. I mean, the team plays well with or without him, but um, if he doesn't play in this match, I really will start to wonder uh, what's going on and when he's going to make his debut. And you really, you really hope he didn't pick up an illness or an injury uh, when he was abroad in Colombia or wherever else. But, you know, definitely eyebrows are being raised. Now it's been three weeks and he's not in the lineup. Um, Jeff, I know you were a little concerned with James Musa as well. Yeah, I'm, you know, a little concerned with Musa because, you know, we did sign him right after, you know, the the Ecuador preseason trip and obviously did, you know, wasn't here in time for the preseason, uh, you know, to wrap it up against Oklahoma City, you know, but, you know, now we're rolling into week four of the season here and he's been listed on the injury report all three weeks, you know, with a lower body injury, you know, kind of makes you wonder – you know, you you make such a big push for a for a huge signing as him, you know, coming over from Swole Park Rangers and being such a, a key, you know, element to their success last year. It really makes you wonder, you know, where where he's at fitness wise. You know, if if he was injured before coming over here, and either a the staff knew about it and we're just going to wait and buy the time, or if this was b something he picked up while he was here and then. You know he's he's been struggling with it ever since he got here. Well, that would be another story then. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's tough to speculate on exactly what is what is wrong with him. Um, I mean hopefully it's not not an existing injury. You know that flared up again. Hopefully it's just something small and it's kept him out the past few weeks. But yeah, it'll be it'll be another player that I'll be looking to see because he's one that when I saw that we signed him, I, I thought that he would fit into this uh, two man defensive midfield perfectly with Kevon Lambert. So, or swap for Kevon Lambert. So either way, it'd be nice to see him on the field soon. No doubt about it. Um, depth is always nice. And especially if he could play some defense for us, that would be 
extremely useful. Um, yeah. It's probably time to get to the supporters section questions now before we wrap things up. And we do have a few responses. Um, the first one comes from at strong underscore potato. I missed the last 10 minutes of the game, so I'm curious how Waltrip played. I thought he was great. I thought he was solid and composed on the ball, won a couple free kicks, really exceeded my expectations. Do you guys have anything to add there? No, I to- I totally agree with you on that. I think he I think he had a, a strong first effort, you know, for for his first USL for his first official USL game, you know, like you said, he won a couple of free kicks. He was strong on the ball. He didn't make them. He didn't make any what you would call quote unquote rookie type on you know mistakes. You know, I think he came in, did his job, and and had a solid effort. I totally agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think for him to come in in such a big situation, you know, zero zero on the road against a team like Reno, that Carterone had the confidence in him. I mean, and he showed it, you know, he played, he played well and had some solid, solid opportunities and won some free kicks. So, you know, for a debut, that's a pretty good debut in my eyes. Um, next question comes from, well, we'll do one more from him. Um, observations on the three, one, four, two in the first half. Was there anything Reno did to stop our attack or just a bad day for our striker slash wings? I'm not sure if he's referring to our formation because that's not really how it was listed. Um, As for the second part of that, Reno did seem to play a little bit defensive, but I think it's just one of those days where things aren't quite clicking. Maybe the altitude, maybe, uh, you know, just it, it does happen sometimes where people just aren't quite on the same wavelength. And maybe it was a little bit of Reno, but, um, uh, yeah, and maybe it's even how we play on the road versus at home. But I would say definitely a bad day for Cortez. Um, you know, unfortunate. He was getting into some spots, but he did look pretty tired out there. Um, pretty heavy legs. Heavy legs was a phrase that I heard at that watch party, and it, it did look that way. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry about it too much, but I think it's probably more us just having a bad day than, you know, Reno doing something incredible to stop us. Yeah, I agree. You know, you yeah. look back, you look back and you know, like, we've talked about a number of times, the passing, the passing accuracy wasn't there. The, the, you know, the accuracy, you know, you know, in, in the, the opposing half just wasn't there. We weren't linking up right. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think maybe the altitude maybe had a little something to do with it. You know, I wouldn't blame it necessarily on the formation as much. You know, I think Carterone's set, I think his defensive shape and his defensive setup lends for a lot of creativity amongst, you know, the, the, the back defenders. And at times it makes it look like you're like, you're only playing three in the back when you're still playing the four in the back, you know? So, you know, I think, you know, let's not worry about that too much, you know, and focus on, uh, what's what's ahead of us yeah right I think, I think it was just one of those off days is kind of what it seemed like to me you know and i think i think the players kind of showed that some of them were just frustrated you know they weren't able to maybe get the first touch that they had liked or connect on certain passes so 
I, I think our formation overall was solid. I think it was just one of those days. And our, our last question comes from Joseph Lowry at Joe in Cleats, regular contributor. So thank you again. And Kyle, I'll let you answer this one first. What one aspect of play would you want Phoenix to improve? Short passing, first touch, shots from distance, etc. cetera. Uh, I would have to say short passing, actually. I think that's one thing that we could really improve upon. Um, and I think if we can improve upon our short passes and get short, quick passes in the midfield and then move the ball out wide, we've seen that we're, we have the ability to cross. And if, whether it's Chris Cortez, Didier Drogba, or, I mean, even we've seen uh, Jason Johnson get in the box and get on to headers. So I think that uh, if we can improve our short passing, I think it'll improve not only our passing accuracy itself, but our ability to pass the long ball. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you there, Kyle. I, I, I agree. With short passes are definitely a huge uh, contributor to, to to moving the ball up the field quite better. Once we get those short passes working in the middle, that opens up the wings. That opens up play. You know, for for say a, a Chris Cortez or a Jason Johnson or a Solomon Asante or Gladstone Waco even to you know just take the ball and drive at times too. I mean that's that's what helps open up everything is those passes in the middle. And at times we just we can't seem like we can connect them perfectly. And when we, when we lose that battle, you know, now we're back on the back foot again, try, having to try to start from either, you know, your defensive midfield or having to start from the back again. So it kind of makes the whole process kind of null and void at times. Yeah, and I, I have to uh, agree with both you guys. Um, you know, if, if we're not passing the ball well, it's tough to create pressure on the opposition to tire them out and get attacks going. And uh, that's our best stretches of, of the match were when we were able to get some passes strung together and, you know, create chances. And that, that happened towards the end of the first half and towards the end of the second half. I mean, uh, when you're not, when you're giving the ball away cheaply, it also puts pressure on the defense because they're thinking, oh, at least for the next minute or two, we're going to be in control of things a little bit. And then all of a sudden there's a giveaway and now you're in your own third still. Um, so I, and it's, it's definitely something that can be fixed. I'm not too concerned about it, but especially on, on the road, you want to see that improve. Um, but I think that does it for supporters section questions. So think we can get into final thoughts at this point i'll go ahead and start with the final thoughts this week um you know i like we said i would have been happy with a with a draw on the road this week you know like i said we stole two points on the road got the full three have put ourselves in a good position now for a great game this week coming up against Real Monarchs. Um, again, we, you know, the things that we've touched on here in this episode today, you know, are we going to see Drogba play this week? You know, how will the defensive uh, center backs fare against an, a solid, you know, forward tandem that, that Real Monarchs has? 
this is going to be a huge benchmark game. You know, this is one of those early games that you can take a look at and you can really kind of see where your club is sitting. Come out of it with a draw, come out of it with a win. I think Carterone would be happy with either one of those. Moving forward into the next part of the schedule, you know, now you've made it through a month and now you've had an opportunity to see and and really tell what your guys, you know, what their fitness levels are, what their, you know, what their capabilities are. You know, I think you're starting to see little things like that. You know, and, and I think this game becomes a, you know, one of those benchmarks to see, okay, where are we at? Where do we need to change? What do we need to do that's better? Or what are we doing that's so good that is working that we just need to keep hammering on every single week? I think that's what we're looking for this week out of this match. I agree, Jeff. I think I think this match is, is going to show us exactly where we stack up against one of the top teams, if not the top team in the Western Conference. Um, so, I mean, I think, as we said earlier, if we can come in there and have a solid showing, even if we don't get a win, I think a draw is a totally respectable result. Um, I, I really will be looking at our defense. You know, that's going to be that... Right now, I'm not going to say that I'm worried, but we know that real monarchs have a load of talent. So if if we are able to shut them down, I'll I think after that I'll have the confidence that we can hang with about any team in the uh, in the USL. So this game is going to be one that I'm really really looking forward to because it's a game that I think will kind of tell us what the rest of the season is going to turn out like. Sure, and uh, especially if, if Drogba is able to give it a go. Um, my final thought is pretty optimistic because great teams are able to win when they're not playing at their best, and we weren't close to our best, but we still found a way to win. We still found a way to get the full three points. And this is the kind of match that last season, even early this season against OC, you know, we weren't winning this match. We'd get out of there with a draw, maybe even lose it, but we're finding a way to win. And you're going to have those matches during the course of the season, especially if you are on a short week, especially if certain players are injured, which happened for us this week. But the fact that we were able to get the three points regardless, very impressive to me. And uh, I think it's definitely something to build on. And those points are going to matter as the season moves on. So, um, good to see that we can pull that out. A uh, couple small things, too, as we wrap this up. If you have a child ages 8 to 16, Phoenix Rising is actually doing youth soccer camps now. This is the first year I've heard of this, but at Embry-Riddle University in Prescott, uh, boys and girls ages 8 through 16 will be able to get coaching from uh, you know, professional coaches. There might even be some player appearances. It uh, looks like it's a cool facility, and uh, there are camp dates in June and July. So check that out. And then, as always, uh, be sure to check out the Arizona Sports Complex up in North Phoenix. They have all sorts of arena soccer leagues. They even do other sports. They do company events and birthday parties, too. So go up there and check that out. Um, do you guys have anything to add before we sign off on this one? Uh, don't forget to uh, get all of your soccer news in the state at firebirdsoccer.net that's the new site now to check out all of uh, the great work that not only myself but Dominic as well 
Uh, Kyle will be on there once in a while as well. Uh, you know, great photography from Aaron Blau. We've got some great uh, contributing reporters now who are offering uh, uh, some coverage of other teams in the state. So, you know, it, it's it's great that we can try to bring soccer all in one place. Um, so, you know, by all means, check out the new firebirdsoccer.net when you have a chance. All I'm going to say is uh, what Dominic said earlier, we need to get everyone we can out to this match this weekend. You know, I would I would like to see us top the 6,800 we had at the home opener. I really think we can. I think we could get up to 7,200 people strong in that stadium. So I just want to see a loud and large crowd because I really think our team plays off the energy they get from our atmosphere. So if we can provide a great atmosphere... I think the team will provide a great game. So get everyone out there. <laughs> Couldn't say it any better myself. Uh, thanks again for listening. And as always, go rising. Go rising. Go rising. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.